Welcome to the Game Changing Health Podcast. I am your host, Gianna Beasley. I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And I am so excited to have you here because we are going to talk all about how to change the game of your health in ways that are realistic and sustainable. We're going to talk about hot topics. We're going to talk about how to get to the root cause of your health issue and talk about how through nutrition and movement, we can create a life that you love and can live fully. Thanks for joining and let's dive in. When I first start working with new clients or when I'm connecting with people on Instagram, which is where you can find me hanging out most of the time, a big question that everybody has when they're trying to figure out what is going on with their health and with their bodies is where to start. And typically the first place for a lot of people is going to be with labs, but there's a lot of labs out there to request. So how do you know what to do? Well, the good news is I got you. I made a freebie for y'all. It's called Labs to Request Annually that breaks down common labs to request every single year preventatively, and then also some additional categories on additional lab markers that you can request if something doesn't feel quite right with your body, and also what to do if you're not having luck getting those labs done in traditional channels. So be sure to grab that freebie by joining my email list below. The information is below in the show notes, so don't miss out and go grab that. If you have questions on it, slide into my DMs on Instagram. Welcome back to the Game Changing Health Podcast. I am Gianna, your host, and this week we are going to talk about what I wish I knew when I was starting on my health and fitness journey. We're going to take it back to the better part of a decade ago. Um, I first started getting into health and fitness when I was in high school. I was a high school athlete, but after some injuries and unfortunately, unfortunately injuries that then kept me out of group sports at the end of high school, I was like, I need a way to stay active. And so that's when I first started my senior year of high school, basically junior, senior year of high school, basically intermittently started getting into the world of weightlifting and what that looked like. And um, I'll never forget the high school that I went to had a like weightlifting class actually, which I think all high schools should have honestly, because it helped like a trained professional helped all of the, all these high schoolers in this room figure out like good form and how to lift weights and things like that. And then I also found some, you know, online challenges and things like that. Like Oh, gee, like if you know who Katie Hearn is, she is the owner of Alani Nutrition. Before Alani Nutrition even existed or was a thing, she was she was making a name for herself in the online health and fitness space by running these online challenges, her and her husband, Hayden. And so now they own Alani Nutrition, which is one of, I would argue, the biggest supplement companies. And I will say, um, actually this week, to quote myself, I was talking to my clients and literally said, I could live the rest of my life happily in a tub of Alani News, like vegan frosted flurry protein because it's so good. And vegan protein powders are so hard to come by. But anyway, this is not sponsored. I'm just a genuine fan of their vegan protein and their energy drinks. But anyway, before Alani was even born, I started these like fitness challenges. They were like eight week challenges, I think, um, where you got a set of macros and then you also got a set of workouts. And so by building some foundational habits with weightlifting. I had a gym membership to 24-Hour Fitness because we didn't have any like free rec centers around where I lived at the time. So I had a 24-Hour Fitness membership and I was 
dedicated, y'all. I was going to the gym several times a week during these challenges, like four to five times usually. And even if I couldn't make it during the day, right, because I was at school all day, I worked all through um, high school pretty much year round starting junior year. So I worked at a restaurant or I was nannying something of that sort in high school. So I would go to school all day. I would nanny or work at Texas Roadhouse, wherever I was at the time. And then I would literally go to the gym at like 10 p.m. at night. (laughs) My parents just knew I was coming home late because I had to get my workout in. So I was really, really, really into it. I learned how to track macros through that. Um, So it was all self-learned, self-taught myself and then through these challenges. And so that's kind of where I started with things. So I feel like I actually had a pretty solid start to things. And unfortunately, this solid start came after not the best um, time where I was intentionally restricting food to extremely low amounts because I had lost some weight and I wanted to keep that weight off. And it just like felt like it kept coming on unless I was going to these absolute extremes. So not the best start, but then paired with moving in the right direction, right? Of learning to track macros and learning to lift weights and and being in in that kind of environment, which then ended up turning into a love for CrossFit actually for me. And so I'm giving you guys kind of this background so that you know kind of where I started. So when I talk about what I wish I knew, it makes a little bit more sense. But that turned into a love for CrossFit. And I know there are some people out there that are big CrossFit haters. They're not fans. I'll be honest though, I was a fan and I was at a great CrossFit gym here in Denver um, where they really valued your form and your safety over like you PRing or doing anything that was possibly unsafe. They really wanted to make sure that you stayed safe. And I was able to really actually work up and I was deadlifting more than my body weight. I was squatting more than my body weight. I even pulled my cousin into it at one point for partner workouts. Like, um, and I am not a morning person. For those of you that know me in real life, I am like quite the opposite of a morning person. I've never been a morning person. And I was voluntarily waking up for 5 a.m. CrossFit classes so that I could make sure I made my class because I enjoyed it that much. So I was definitely a CrossFit fan, but I was doing it safely. And I think my favorite part, because once again, I will say till the day I die, do not put me down for running. I hate cardio with a burning passion. So if you're listening to this and you also hate cardio, you are not alone. We could have a club. Um, But I loved the Olympic lifting portion of CrossFit. I loved the strength, like strength improvement. I love the challenge of like challenging myself personally. I'm not competing against anybody else. I'm competing against myself. I want to be better than what I was. And so I went from CrossFit and then unfortunately I got mono twice my freshman and then relapsed my sophomore year of college. And after that, you guys, I'll be honest, I have struggled to get back into a movement routine ever since then. Like I've bounced between different things. So for a long time, I worked at a spin studio in college for some extra money, but I also got a free membership from it. So I was doing like spin classes. I admittedly was taking it at a lower pace than um, everybody around me because I could not hit the intensity that everybody around me was hitting due to my various chronic illnesses. Um, but you know, I, I did spinning. I kind of was weightlifting again. I was doing a variety of things, but could never find something that I truly enjoyed like, and, and could do consistently like I did in high school because in high school, I didn't have any health issues really. I had PCOS, but for the most part, it was pretty well managed. And for me personally, where things started to trend down was after that, <laughs> that first and second round of mono in, in, in college. And so it's been hard to get back to something 
ever since then. And like, I'm someone who now literally during COVID, I built out a whole gym in my basement. I literally even have turf down there for sled pushes. And I will say that's probably my favorite piece of equipment I own because it's just fun and different. But I got the squat rack and the dumbbells and the adjustable bench and the sled and plates. And, um, you know, I got a full setup downstairs, like minus a cable machine, basically. So all of that to say, that's kind of where I've been at with like the fitness side of my journey. And then obviously nutrition-wise in a previous episode, some of you may not have heard it. I restricted my food intake pretty significantly at the advice of a doctor when I was younger and had been diagnosed with PCOS. And so coming after that, when I felt like, okay, I literally can't survive on this. I was so hungry. I then started to eat more, which then started to gain weight because I wasn't doing anything correctly. And then that made me want to eat less because I didn't want to gain more weight because I had been basically told my whole life, like, hey, you need to, you need to be smaller. You need to be smaller. You've always been bigger. And I'm just here to tell you right now, before I go any further, you do not need to be smaller unless you want to be. And that's fine too. But also in reality, people who are practicing in the health space, like medical space, who have extreme weight bias are dangers to their patients or their clients. Having a weight bias is really, really dangerous. Um, so just like a fun tidbit, fun throw in there, make sure you pro- make sure like if you are a client or if you are a patient, make sure that you are working with someone who has a weight inclusive approach, a weight neutral approach. And that is not me saying that weight is not important because the actual amount that you weigh can be important for things like medications that you're taking and how much you need to take. It can be important for things because yes, certain numbers can create higher risks for different things. I'm not saying that that's not true. However, what I am saying is if you are under the care of someone who has weight bias in the way that they practice, that is dangerous to you and your health. And I never want you to be in a situation where it would be dangerous for you. So I'm not saying that your weight doesn't matter. It's great if you want to lose weight. That's totally fine as long as we're doing it in a healthy way. Um, it's great if you don't want to change your weight. And it's great if you want to gain weight. It's great with whatever you want to do as long as it's done in a healthy way. But also needing to recognize that if you're working with someone who has a lot of weight bias and stigma against bigger bodies, that can be really dangerous for your health and your care. So just something to be aware of if you feel like you're working with someone that does have that bias, we may want to reconsider. Um, but anyway, to the whole point of what do I wish I knew when I was first starting out? Now, I'm going to take you guys to different points in this journey that I just laid out for you because there's high school Gianna and you guys that are listening might have kids in high school right now or middle school, you know, or just kids at any age in general that we as a generation can do a little bit better. I feel like every generation gets a little bit better of, you know, we're not in the 70s anymore with these magazines. The Atkins diet isn't as popular anymore. Jenny Craig isn't really popular anymore, right? Like we phased some of these these things out that were already popular when I was a kid, right? And so I'm going to talk about all the different phases, what I wish I would have known and what I wish I could have done differently. And naturally, we can't go back and change the past. But, you know, if you are a parent listening to this or if you plan to have kids one day, hopefully you can kind of think about these things as they're growing up to help them have a better relationship with their bodies and food and movement. Um, And then we'll also kind of talk about as an adult now, what I wish I would have done differently just in general. And this isn't even specific to any kind of medical conditions, just as that fair disclaimer. But going all the way back to high school, Gianna, what do I wish I could have done differently? And honestly, 
I wish that I wouldn't have started tracking as early as I did. And you might be like, what? (laughs) I've heard you say tracking is a good educational tool. And it is. It 100% is. However, for me with where I was at in high school, I wish I would have started tracking later in life um, and not necessarily in high school because I think I would have benefited more looking back on it, uh, more looking at the relationship of good good foods versus bad foods. Like I had labeled things like that. Um, I think just from seeing things on social media, and and I'm I'm part of that group that social media became a really popular thing right as I was like in middle school, going to high school. So I was in like the first the first era, I would say, of like Instagram and things like that. I don't think TikTok was born until I was in like college, but either way. I think I started assuming that foods are good or bad. And I think if I could go back before I start tracking, and and sometimes I do recommend tracking for people in high school, but before I started tracking, I think I would have benefited more of really working on the relationship with food. So not necessarily the amounts that I was eating, making sure I was, you know, eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, eating good amounts throughout the day, snacks, but focusing on like the quality of my food. So fruits, vegetables, micronutrients, understanding that there's not really a good or bad food. And I know that that can be a polarizing statement for some people. So just like really quickly on that, my personal stance and my stance as a dietitian is the only food that's bad for you is one you're allergic to. I don't want you to have an allergic reaction. Now, some people will say, oh, well, sugar is addicting or, you know, foods are like some foods are bad for you. Like dessert is bad for you. I want to challenge you to think of it more in a different way of like, there's different nutrient density of all the foods that we eat. But like for the reality of most people, we are not going to be able to just never have ice cream or never have our favorite dessert or never have our favorite cultural dish that might be higher in sugar or something like that, right? That's not realistic for most of us. Now, there absolutely are some people in the world that eat very, very clean 24-7 and they don't do anything differently and they can live like that and that's fine. However, for the majority of us, we can't live like that. And also for a lot of us, that can create some really disordered eating patterns. So rather than thinking of something as good or bad, we can think of it, and this is something you guys can use with your elementary school, um, maybe not elementary school, but like middle school kids, high school kids, when we're teaching them about foods, like we can teach them about the nutrient value of different things of like, hey, this has protein in it. And protein is important for us to be able to build and maintain muscles and for us to function well. It's involved in almost all the processes in our body on a daily basis, right? Like, so we can approach it more from a standpoint of like, you don't want to have a diet for sure filled with a bunch of like low nutrient dense foods. We want a mixture, right? We want the majority to be of high nutrient density and high nutrient quality. So getting those good micronutrients in us. So our fruits, our vegetables, our whole grains, our protein sources, you know, the good like easy preparation methods like grilling, baking, things like that. But there's also a time and a place for foods that have less nutrient density in them. So I wish that I knew that before learning to track everything super specifically, I could have benefited from just really healing that relationship and that thinking with food of like, things aren't good or bad. There are some more nutrient-dense options and less nutrient-dense options. And that I think would have benefited me more. Then we move into tracking, right? And I am forever grateful that I learned to track. Um 
because realistically that taught me a lot about the actual values of foods and what portion sizes equated to calorie wise. And I think there's so much value in all of us at some point learning to track either calories overall or macros overall, because once you genuinely learn and know the value of foods, that is going to take you very far. You are going to be set because now I can look at a plate, like I can look at someone else's plate or one of my client's plates and I can roughly estimate usually within about 100 calories what's on their plate. And that can be a really helpful skill to have, especially when you maybe have more specific physique goals and things like that. So just a note on that, I do think everybody should learn to track. But that's what high school Gianna wished she knew. Now, when I go to college, Gianna, what I wish I knew in college is my my activity level and a lot of people's activity levels dropped pretty drastically when we got to college. So I know there's the big joke of the freshman 15 uh, and, you know, oh, you're going to go to college, you'll gain the freshman 15. And some I even heard when I went to college, people talking about like a sophomore 30 and I was so petrified of gaining weight. And I made it through my entire freshman year without gaining any weight. And I thought it was this huge feat. Well, then you guys know what? I literally went to Europe the summer after my freshman year, ate through Europe and then got got mono again right after that. And I gained like 30 pounds in like six months. It was so extreme because I was just restricting, restricting, restricting. So what I wish I would have known when I started college is my activity levels were going to drastically change. And and this is pretty common for a lot of people too. So again, if you have kids or if you're in college, you're not alone here. Most people are not taught what to do when they're done with high school sports. Most people don't go on to play like collegiate level sports. So realistically, we go from eating a certain way in high school and usually maintaining our body weight pretty well. And also we're younger, right? We're teenagers and we're transitioning to adulthood when you go to college. But most people are eating more in high school because their activity level is higher. So then they keep eating the same amount typically, but their activity level goes down and that can lead to weight gain. So I wish I could have gone back and told myself in college, like, hey, it's okay if you gain some weight, but also be aware that your activity levels are going to change. Your access to food is different. How things are prepared are different. And I wish that I had more awareness at that point of those changes and that changes to my activity level. And I wish, and I wish I could just like create a program for this and maybe one day I will. I wish that I could create a program, especially for like high school seniors here. And actually what I did when I was in college, I went for one of my senior capstones. I went back to the high school that I went to and gave a presentation on like how to navigate eating and movement when you transition into college, because that was not covered at all for me when I was in high school. And so I wish I could go back and tell Gianna at that point in her life when she was 18, 19, like, hey, here's how you can transition into an active lifestyle while juggling a busy college schedule and while juggling being away from home for the first time and while juggling new food options and new food choices. And like, it's okay to go to the dining hall and enjoy that soft serve ice cream if you want to. But also like before you do that, let's make sure you fill your plate with like protein, some vegetables, maybe a fruit if you haven't had one yet in the day. And so I wish that I had more awareness and I wish that there were resources for this. And I think if you're listening to this, you can then be a resource for people around you. If you know people transitioning from, um, you know, high school to college, it was just graduation. Most schools are out now. I'm recording this in June. So most, most high school seniors have graduated now. They're prepping to go to college. So if you know a high school senior child with that, like see if they have a plan, like if they want to talk about it, right? Don't ever force things on anybody. But I wish I would have known that there was a way for me to maintain 
healthy exercise levels without starving myself while enjoying my freshman year of college. Like I just wish there was more awareness in general. And I wish that I would have known that then. I wish I would have known that there was a way to maintain good activity levels and enjoy myself without stressing about gaining this ominous weight that people talked about. Because realistically, yes, some people gain weight when they go to college. Is it avoidable? Maybe. Is it also maybe not avoidable? Possibly. Could go either way. Um, A lot of it probably depends on people and what they were doing before they got to college. But I wish I would have had a little less fear and a little more awareness when I was transitioning into college. Now, fast forward to me as an adult, what do I wish I would have known differently? And I'm going to pinpoint this specific transition around probably end of college into like the start of my professional life several years ago. I wish I would have been more aware for myself. I learned about this in school. I know how to talk about it with other people, but I didn't have a lot of like awareness of this for myself and my health goals. But I wish that I would have been a little more self-aware and a little more honest with myself about the stages of change. And if you don't know what the stages of change are, they are pre-contemplation. That's one. Two is contemplation. Three is preparation. Four is like the action stage. And then five is maintenance. And so this, these stages of change basically are part of, part of basically a, it's called the trans theoretical model. So dipping a little bit into psychology here. That is not my wheelhouse, but it's something that I do learn about as a dietitian and also something that can be really important for people to know, especially when you're thinking of like hiring a coach in like the private practice space or online coaching space. Because realistically, if you are like, I'm going to hire this coach because I think it's going to change my life and my health, but you're in the like the contemplation stage, you're not really going to see change. You need to be in the preparation or action stage to actually see the change that you want to see by hiring a professional to help you. And I wish I kind of would have known that because I did gain weight during college due to the onset of medical conditions and years of dieting, right? And things like that. So at the end of college, when I started, you know, a working job, I was like, cool, I have income now. I'm going to hire someone to help me lose weight. And when I tell you that I did not lose a single pound and also literally never followed through with anything that I was paying this person to tell me to do, I mean it. I didn't do a single thing. I paid someone for six months of coaching and literally every dollar went out the window because I was like, I'm going to hire someone and that's going to make me change. No, that's not how that works. You can hire someone and literally change absolutely nothing if you're not willing to put in the work. And I wish I would have had more awareness of where I was in these kind of stages of change before that happened because it would have saved me one, a lot of money and two, a lot of self-awareness. Now, I did learn through it. I knew it was not the coach's fault. I knew it was my fault. Nobody else's fault except for my own. I had to take true and honest and brutal responsibility for the fact that I was not willing or ready to change. I was not willing to change my habits or actions to be in a deficit to lose that weight. I was not willing to miss out on social gatherings and vacations and parties and restrict my food because I didn't want to. But realistically, if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to lose weight because you need to be in a calorie deficit. So I wish I would have known at that point. So like my third and final takeaway here, I wish I would have known that I needed to have a higher sense of self-awareness of where I was in those stages of change before I invested my money in changing. And so in the, the- in the theme and spirit of the Game Changing Health podcast here, my game-changing piece of information for you that's listening right now, whether you're just starting your health and fitness journey or you're in it right now but maybe struggling, is know where you are at 
in these stages of change and take true and honest ownership of where you're at to help yourself get where you want to be further. Because it took me acknowledging, hey, I'm like barely even in stage one of pre-contemplation. I'm not actually willing to change my actions or habits right now. And that's okay. Like then I will take ownership that I'm not going to see the weight loss that I want to see. And that's okay, right? Like that's, that's where I was. And so when I took ownership of that and was honest with myself about that, I was able to then start working through those thoughts. And it took me a good like two years to be like, all right. So I've kind of thought through all this and I now am willing to make those changes. And so that's when I was in that contemplation stage of, okay, I'm starting to think about this. I'm starting to accept that I, I am I am willing and ready to change. So then I started preparing, right? And then I was able to, I basically hired myself because <laughs> I'm a dietitian and an online coach. So I basically hired myself to help myself. And also I have a really amazing doctor. And so we were, were working together and, you know, all that good stuff. But then I was able to go into that action phase, right? Of I'm actually taking action to reach the goals that I want to accomplish. And so my game-changing piece of information is, is exactly that. Know where you're at in the stages of change to help you get where you want faster and waste less time when you're not actually possibly ready to change. So hopefully that helps. I wanted to keep this episode short and sweet this week um, and just kind of share a little bit about me and what I wish I knew um, in my health and fitness journey kind of at the beginning, in the middle. It's not the end yet, so several middle points, I guess, but... If you made it this far, thanks for listening. I hope that it helped. Until the next episode, stay happy and healthy and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening. I cannot tell y'all how much I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart for being here and tuning in to the podcast. If you have a second, you can scroll and leave a rating and review for the podcast. It helps me help more people like you. And I would really, really appreciate it. If you have any questions on this episode or any other episode you've listened to, just as a reminder, come find me on Instagram. I'm at dietitian.gianna. It is linked down below in the show notes as well, but please come connect with me on Instagram. If you have questions, if you need help, let me know and I'm happy to help.